Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, we have finally made it to playoff teams on our team previews. We are talking about the NFC South champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who did finish with a losing record in the regular season, got worse with a postseason bounce by Dallas. Um, it was Tom Brady's last season. So for a team who just two years earlier had won the Super Bowl, finds themselves 8-10 and 10 and in the exact position everybody knew they were going to be in when Tom Brady first arrived in Tampa Bay. Um, a team who has some serious quarterback questions going forward here. They've moved on from guys like Leonard Fournette, though there's always a possibility he may come back. I don't believe he's been signed anywhere. Um, no, he's not. Okay, perfect. Um uh, but still have a great group, great young core group of, of players um, led by a really strong wide receiver room, even with the additions across the rest of the NFC South, maybe the best wide receiver room in the division um, and, and overall a solid defense led by uh, Todd Bowles as the head coach. But before we look at what Tampa Bay could be, let's look at what they were. They were eight and nine started the season off with an ironic win in week one against the team that would eliminate them from the playoffs uh, in the wild card round Dallas beating them 19 to three. They followed up with a divisional win against the saints before losing back to back to the Packers and chiefs beat the Falcons to get to three and two, but then losses to Kenny Pickett and the Steelers and the Carolina Panthers dropped them to three and four followed by a loss to the Ravens to get them to three and five. They won two in a row against the Rams and the Seahawks to get to 500 going into the bye week, but came out of the bye week losing to Cleveland they beat the Saints for a season sweep to get back to 500, but lost to San Francisco and Cincinnati, beat Arizona and Carolina, um, and in a game that did not really matter, they had already clinched the division, ironically, by week 18. They lost to Atlanta to finish 8-9 and nine before losing 31-14 to 14 to Dallas in the wild card round of the playoffs, a game that really was not particularly close. Dallas jumped out to a 24 to nothing lead about halfway through the third quarter. And it was fairly apparent Tampa Bay could not respond. Um, Tom Brady did start and play in all 17 games, finished uh, with uh, just about 4,700 yards, 67% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions. The team was led in rushing by Leonard Fournette, who had 680, uh, 668 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Rashad White, a, a solid young player that had added 481 and a touchdown on the ground. The team was led in receptions by Chris Godwin with 104 to complement 1,023 yards and three touchdowns, but they were led in yards and touchdowns by Mike Evans, 1,124 with six uh, as well. On the defensive side of the ball, team was led in interceptions by Mike Edwards and Sean Murphy Bunting with two apiece. They were led in sacks by uh, Vita Vey with six and a half, if I'm looking at that correctly. I believe I am, yeah. Uh, team finished with 45 on the year. So, Mitch, looking at it here, you know, two years ago, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. The year before that, they were 13. Uh, sorry, the year before, yeah. Um, the year before that, they were 13 and four, lost to the Rams, I think, in the divisional round, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then this yeah. year, Eight and nine bounced immediately in the wild card round by Dallas. What what stood out to you with Tampa Bay's season last year? Tampa Bay's season last year just kind of felt like the a typical like 
after you win the Super Bowl and then the decline starts to happen. Uh, like a lot of some faces from the defense, which made it great and led it to a Super Bowl, uh, you know, two years ago, three years ago now. Um, you know, some of those guys were gone, key contributors. So there's an effect there. Um, Tom Brady, when you just look at his stats on his face, you know, completed 67% of his passes, 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, less than 10 interceptions, and only sacked 22 times. It seems awesome, right? But when you're, like, actually watching those games, the there's a lot of moments where uh, Tom Brady wasn't really Tom Brady. He didn't have that clutch comeback and had that Tom Brady moment that we're, we've been watching for the past almost 30 years now. Uh, so, you know, there's a little bit of decline in that department from Tom Brady's last year. Uh, the running game was kind of non-existent for the most part. Playoff Lenny, who hit, went on that tear for that Super Bowl run, uh, only averaged, you know, three and a half yards a carry, which is abysmal. And Rashad White, who looked a lot more promising, only at 3.7. So there wasn't much to speak up from the running game. The tight end position really didn't give you enough uh, – uh, juice and even though Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were amazing as usual, there really wasn't a third or fourth option for them to uh rely on. Um, so it was just a uh disappointing season for them, obviously hoping to get you know another run before Tom Brady hunted up, but unfortunately, the you know decline just started to sleep in and they weren't able to get it done and put uh, Tom Brady on top. Yeah, I do like what you kind of said there about like your very typical post Super Bowl decline. It almost kind of reminds me of uh the like the year or two after the Ravens won the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. But like if you remember that, the Ravens lost everybody. Like they lost like seven defensive starters, multiple coaches. Ironically, the year after Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl, they brought back all of their defensive starters, which is crazy to just see a decline like that. Um Skyler, what were your thoughts on Tampa Bay last year? And kind of similar to to Mitch. I mean, you're there's a lot of like we like you said they they brought back almost everyone from that team, but then they almost they get carried over a lot of the same players to this roster. I mean, like guys like you know Levante David, uh, Vita Vea, uh, um, their the defense. It still had. Antoine Winfield Jr. and Mike Edward. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, yeah, had like De- Devin White, Mike Edwards, Carlson Davis. Um, we, they had added guys like Keanu Neal and Logan Ryan that we were kind of excited about. Um, you had like all of these, all of these players that were still good. I mean, some of the, but but there wasn't the production. That that's kind of it's that is it. It's just that the production went down, and I think that when you look at some of these guys that are their leading tacklers, some of these guys that are coming in, I mean, you have Levante David, who's going to be a thirty-three year old running uh, linebacker next year, and I love Levante David. He, I, I think we this podcast loves Levante David. He is an underrated linebacker in the league. Um, has continued to play really, really well, but their their defense is getting old. Um, you do have guys like Devon White. Devin White, um, Antoine Winfield Jr., um, and Carlton Davis, who are younger, but like you're relying on Keanu Neal and Logan Ryan to come in. You're relying on uh, Shaquille Barrett to to be one of those big line uh, pass rushers. Carl Nassib, 
Akeem Hicks to come in and play a lot of time for you. And they're old. They're not playing all of those full games. I can't remember the last time Akeem Hicks played a full season um, in the league. Um, and that that defense, who still played well, they were still, you know, what, ranked, like, yeah, ranked uh, 13th in, in points and, and ninth in yards allowed. Like, they were still above average in terms of defensive production that they had. But then when we flip it side to the offensive side, offense totally crapped. Like Tom Brady can only do so much. Um, you besides Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who did you have? Neither one of those guys played a full season. Um, Leonard Fournette was your third leading receiver. Like, where's Russell Gage? Where's Julio Jones? Where's you know even Scotty uh, Scott Mill like Scotty Miller? Like, where's like these guys that had at times shown up for them weren't they they during those Super Bowl runs and during those playoff runs weren't weren't there. And I mean, Jalen Darden, who we all kind of like, we thought was going to be a great pick for them. That was going to be able to fill in that role. Two catches for 26 yards. And he played in what? 12 games. Mm-hmm. Like Cole, Cole Beasley played for two games, did nothing. Like some of these guys, and then the tight end position was, was not effective for them. And so like offensively in total, there was just a stunt there. Like you weren't able, no one was going to buy the fact that you were going to run the ball. That's why, you know, Leonard Fournette only had 600 yards. Um, He averaged 3.5 yards per carry. Like there's like these things that it's like they weren't. Like, like it's the same team that won the Super Bowl, but they weren't productive. And, and, and I don't know what to point at. And I don't know what to say, like, why aren't you productive? Is it, I mean, do we, do you blame the, you put the whole blame on Todd Bowles? Like Arians is gone now. And I mean, it's still the same team. It's a relatively same system, but it's his fault now. Um, Do you blame it on an aging Tom Brady? Do you, do you blame it on injuries? Like what, what, where do you, where do you go on this? I, I, I can't, I think it's just after a while that they don't know what to do. And I mean, when you're looking at some of these guys, I mean, Mike Evans had a 60% catch rate like that's awful for him so like I, I don't know where where to go on this it's just there's it, it, it like in terms of like why they won eight and nine and why they weren't successful production just went down all across the board offensive defensively um yeah yeah I mean I, I in my opinion yeah we have to start with the coaching I mean you go from an offensive genius like Bruce Arians who you know, let's not forget led the Colts when uh, uh, Chuck Pagano got cancer to a, a playoff appearance, led the Cardinals to an NFC championship game, won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, turned around, took them to 13 and four last year. And then you brought in Todd Bolts, who was obviously the defensive guy, but you had kept Byron Leftwich, right? You'd kept the offensive coordinator during that time period. So what happened? Well, here's what happened. I think we've given way too much credit to Byron Leftwich these last couple of years. Um, I think he had the benefit of being uh, uh, under the tutelage of one of the greatest coaches of, you know, recency in Bruce Arians and having the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. And I think that without Bruce Arians there, um, he defaulted the offense to whatever Tom Brady thought was going to work best. Um, I think part of it goes to Todd Bowles. Uh, a team who, you know, Skyler rattled off a, a list of guys that they brought in this season to help. 
um, guys like Cole Beasley and Akeem Hicks and and so on and so forth. Akeem Hicks may have been there the year before, and I don't take him out. I don't remember. Um, but that's sort of been the story the last couple of years at Tampa Bay was just like periodically throughout the season taking this person or this person who's now a street free agent and pulling them in and being like, okay, you're going to play for us for a couple of games, right? Um, that strategy didn't work. Um, as a team, worst in every statistical rushing category. I mean, every statistical rushing category. Last in the league in attempts, last in the league in yards, last in touchdowns, last in yards per attempt. This team almost to a dot, keeping in mind, number one in passing attempts last year, almost to a dot. Only one out of every three player plays that they called was a running play. You can sit there and do the math. If you do their total amount of rushes versus the total amount of plays that they called, it comes out to just a hair over 33%. It was like clockwork. You had a 50-50 shot on first down and second down that one of them was going to be a run. But if it was, it meant the other two plays were going to be a pass. There's no doubt about that. And just like Skyler said, and Mitch kind of pointed out also when your only two weapons are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, when Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl, it was because of the production of of all of those uh, other guys that they had. Um, you add in. Uh, but there was an interesting sort of aspect to this, which was like walking into this year, we all were very worried about what Tampa Bay's offensive line was really going to look like. They walked into the year with injuries. They lost. I think they lost like one or two guys in week one against Dallas. Um, they had multiple injuries throughout the season. And yet as a team, they only gave up 22 sacks the entire year, but no ability to get push on the running game, no ability to control the game the way that we've seen so often out of Tom Brady. Um, insane. Only two games in which you scored 30 or more points. One of them lost to Kansas city. One of them went against Carolina, but eight games in which you scored less than 20 points. Your offense you was. To, you also have to give a shout out to Mitch there because he successfully called uh, that Tampa Bay would uh, give up less than thirty sacks on the season. <laughs> um, absolutely. So, um, but just a team who struggled across the board against, you know, against playoff caliber teams. Uh, you know, you beat Dallas, but you lost to Kansas City. You lost to, um, or you beat Seattle. Um, but you lost to San Francisco, you lost to Cincinnati. So two and two against playoff caliber teams, but then just dog shit against the rest of the league. You know, a lot of the same things that we'll bring up, I think throughout this uh, uh, sort of preview are things that we brought up. If you go and listen to our green Bay preview, right? A team who put too much faith in their hall of fame quarterback, a team who didn't put enough faith in their running game, a team whose offensive line played decently, but was never the star of the show and a team whose defense played well, but not well enough to, to overall win them games. Um, yeah. Real lackluster. And honestly, not the way that Tom Brady should have walked off the field, you know, um, when he had retired at the end of last season and then decided to come back, what 40 days later, it felt like Tampa Bay had one more really good run at him. And when they snuck into the playoffs last year, it was like, oh boy, Tom Brady's going to be able to get back into the playoffs and he's going to have a home playoff game. Watch out, league. And then it was just a dud of a performance. It's not the way Tom Brady should have walked off the field. Um, and it's not the way his career should have ended. But ended, it did. Tom Brady decided to retire. He's now a minority owner of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe he'll step in for them. Um, but 
Tampa Bay lost some other key players. Donovan Smith, their starting left tackle, he went over to the Chiefs. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting, one of their young corners, he goes to Tennessee. Rashad Perriman uh, goes to the Colts there. Keanu Neal, one of their better safeties, goes to the Steelers. Mike Edwards, uh, the other safety, goes to the Chiefs as well. But they did bring in some players. Greg Gaines, John Walford, and Baker Mayfield, all from the Rams, brought in the Colts kicker and Chase McLaughlin. Um, Chase Edmonds, the former Broncos running back, as well as Matt Filer, the uh, starting guard last year for the Chargers, played 99.7% of possible snaps. So, Mitch, taking a look at their uh, offseason acquisitions and losses, obviously number one being Tom Brady there, but what were your thoughts on Tampa Bay's offseason moves? Yeah, so there's obviously a lot of losses uh, from Tampa Bay this offseason. Uh, I would say for the most part, none of them uh, consequential, like, Losing Donovan Smith, yeah, he's been the left tackle for them for, like, I think, like, eight years now. But last year, he was averaging almost a penalty a game. And in the NFL, he's been consistent with having a lot of holding penalties. So I feel like that almost might be an addition by subtraction. Uh, we'll have to see, though. Um, you know, Julio Jones, they lost, but he really didn't do much with Tampa Bay. So nothing to worry there. Um, and Leonard Fournette, even though he had that great playoff run, we already went over the stats, so I don't think the running game loses out much, and he's still unsigned, so I feel like that says something. Uh, but for the ones that worry me, uh, you know, the secondary took some hits uh, the previous offseason, and now it's taken another hit with guys like Mike Edwards and Sean Murphy Bunting the leaving. That kind of worries me now because during that Super Bowl, Super Bowl year, an underrated part of the defense was the secondary and just how loaded it was, it was almost uh, similar to the Legion of Boom years. Uh, and now it's really just down to three great guys. So that kind of worries me for Tampa Bay going to the, into the future, given how the secondary has been depleted every year. Um, and then in a really underrated guy and Rakeem Nunez Roches, uh, just a very solid guy for that defensive line who does a lot of unappreciated work and what made it really stout. Uh, losing a guy like that uh, kind of worries me for that defensive line. But um, and then obviously losing a great like Tom Brady is going to hurt them just because even though they knew the circumstances of with Tom Brady of him like Aaron Rodgers and the Jets right now, he's only going to be there for a few years. Got to get that window in. Now they really don't have a successor plan in place. You know Baker Mayfield's fine. We saw some sparks with the Rams last year, but. It feels like it's very unsettled, especially for how it's going to camp. But the one addition that I do like that they made is great gains. Um, you know, last year with the Rams, he had 36 tackles, four sacks, and nine pressures. I feel like he can be a really good contributor for that defensive line. Tyler, what about you? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, uh, I think that in terms of losses, I mean, it's kind of hard to not look at Mike Edwards and Keanu Neal um, to – or, not sorry, Ryan Neal. Wait, yeah, Keanu Neal. He's the guy that left. Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal, yeah. Yeah, sorry. When there's two Neal safeties that are coming in, it's kind of – um, but, I mean, those are two of your starting safeties. I mean, you do have, you know, some young talent back there that can step in, and Antron Whitfield has played safety multiple different times, and – and done well for this team in the past. So I think he should work out, but still it's kind of, it's kind of concerning to look there and like, okay, so now you're losing guys that played significant stabs. 
Um, yeah, the, the, the Tom Brady is going to be rough. Um, I mean, the guy still threw for four and a half thousand yards last year, um, and 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So like, I mean, that that's not just his production on the field, but the leadership and the wisdom and the veterancy that he has. And we've talked ad nauseum about, you know, like Tom Brady leaving into retirement and all that. And so I don't think we need to, um, go, go off of it again. Um, I will say in terms of what they get, I think it meant Matt Filer, even if he is going to be like 32, um, really shores up that guard position for them. He did play a ton of snaps on that Chargers offensive line. Um, I agree with Mitch on Greg Gaines, getting him in to play some additional snaps. And then I think Baker, this, and this might be a little bit of more of a hot take, but I think Baker coming in is it could could be good for them. I think that it actually could work out in terms of you know, in the NFC South, the starting quarterbacks most likely are going to be Baker, uh, Derek Carr, Bryce Young, and Desmond Ritter. And so for those guys, I mean, in terms of starting experience, Baker's, you know, second to any of them. And he's he he has a chip on the shoulder. Like that is Baker's kind of calling card. We he, none of us expected him to even play relatively well when he went to the Rams and he came in and won his first game. Um, and played decent in, in time for them. And so I think that learning the system, and I, I think this is kind of where, where Brady's points on Brian left, which this is this kind of make or breaks it because this is going to be Baker's, I mean, his head coaches so far and the guys that he's worked with are, you know, Sean McVay, Kevin Stefanski, um, Kitchens for like his, what, his rookie year? Yeah. Hugh um, Jackson. Hugh Jackson. And now – and now you have uh, Brian Leftwich. And so we've seen what he can do under good head coaches, good offensive coordinators. He can be a he could be a, a, a pretty good quarterback, a, a decent quarterback. So if Brian if Brian Leftwich can can use that, and he still has a ton of weapons on this team. I think they you, fired him. Brian Leftwich? Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. they fired Brian Leftwich. Okay, then never mind. Um and it's Byron, not Brian. Sorry, Byron. <laughs> um I don't know what's going on with me. Um, I mean, this is this is kind of, I mean, point still standing. This is kind of Baker can play well, and so if they're able to get that part of him, he has weapons on this team, um, that they can use. I mean, you still have some all pro talent at wide receiver. You still have, you know, some a decent up and comers at running back. But my only concern really is that tight end position. And that goes into the free agency. They really didn't address the tight end position at all. Cameron Bray was allowed to walk. Um and Kyle, so Kyle Rudolph was 34. He go away. Um, but like you lost Cameron Bray, who had some had some nice moments for you, but again, still an older tight end. So now what do you, so what, what is that position going to look like for you? What are you going to do there? Because you're going to need that tight end. You're going to need a third wide receiver to step up. And that's, there goes my concern. It's you don't, who's that third wide receiver? Who is that person that's going to come in? Because both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have injury histories and are most likely not going to play a full season this year. So who comes in, who steps up? Russell Gate, uh, Russell yeah, Gage, Russell Gage, or they resigned him. They resigned him. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Russell Gage out for the year, though. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, he is out for the year. Yeah. Right uh, now, their number three wide receiver listed on ESPN is Trey Palmer, the rookie sixth round pick from Nebraska. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Scott, I mean Scott, Scott Miller left too. So, so those are your three wide receivers. 
uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin both have injury history. And Trey Palmer, who I love, is a good wide receiver, but he's a rookie, sixth rounder. Um, so what are you gonna do there? Um, that, that that so like you know you got some good good people in, but it's it's gonna be that offense is gonna be interesting, and and, and Baker Baker might have to put a lot on his shoulder, which I don't think I don't know if that will end well for him. Yeah, I mean. It... We talk about two very important positions on this podcast a lot, and Tampa Bay took big dives at both. The offensive line, you know, you lose your starting left tackle in Donovan Smith. You trade your starting right guard in Shaq Mason for pennies to Houston. Um, And then the secondary. And the thing that really disturbs me about the secondary is two factors. A, the fact that Mike Edwards and Sean Murphy Bunting were both um, on their rookie deals to like Tampa Bay could have re-signed them. I hate, I hate when teams are just adamant about not re-signing young players, but are fine with re-signing like William Golston and Russell Gage and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I like that they brought back Levante David. That's great. But, but losing both of those guys, Sean Murphy, Bunting and Mike Edwards, who, you know, both, both of them tied for a team lead in interceptions last year with two, for pennies on the dollar, one of them signed for three and a half million next year. The other one signed for three million next year. That's nothing. That's nothing, right? And yeah, Antoine Winfield can absolutely play safety, but this was a team that had focused on the defensive line and the secondary these last couple of drafts, and so then to just watch them let really solid young talent walk for pennies on the dollar just sort of felt like them giving up. Now, I agree with Skyler's points on Baker Mayfield. I agree with with what Mitch has said um, and what we've talked about in the past, where, like, Baker Mayfield has the ability to be a decent quarterback in the league. He's never been the same since his shoulder injury against Pittsburgh, I think, a couple of years ago. Um, He has never had the same arm strength. He's never had the same accuracy. Now, I don't think it's crazy to say that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are the best set of wide receivers he's ever played with. No shade to OBJ and Jarvis Landry, but those two guys could almost never get on the field at the same time, right? Chris Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have been, you know, they haven't played full seasons, but compared to OBJ and Jarvis Landry, they've been relatively healthy and a lot more productive. Um, the tight end position, yeah, you you lost a good amount of talent, and that was already a position that even when Gronk re-retired, we were worried about. Um, but to to take uh, uh, your secondary, which in today's pass-happy league is one of your more important groups, and your offensive line, who played so well last year, again, only gave up 22 sacks, um, so well pass-protecting, that is, not very good against the run. Um, but to to purposely weaken that, to let, to, to let those guys walk, Again, it's all future moves, but it's hard to rationalize. It's hard to justify, especially when you are in a division that is still wide open. Like, we don't know what Desmond Ritter is going to be. We don't know what Bryce Young is going to be. We don't know what Derek Carr is going to do with with the Saints. And all of those teams have glaring problems that we've talked about in their respective previews. Go ahead, go back, listen to them. Um, But I don't know. The Baker Mayfield signing made sense to me if they'd planned on drafting a quarterback early. They didn't. They're running with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. 
for a defensive minded head coach like Todd Bowles, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, the way this team built themselves in free agency just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But let's move over to their draft Uh, in the first round. Pick number 19, Tampa Bay selected Kalijah Cansey, the defensive tackle out of Pitt. They followed up in the second round, taking offensive tackle Cody Mouch, um, though it looks like he's going to get shifted to guard for the team. In the third round, they took edge rusher Yaya Diaby out of Louisville. In the, With two fifth-round picks, they took uh, Servakia Dennis out of Pittsburgh and Payne Durham, the tight end, out of uh, Purdue. With three sixth-round picks to wrap up their draft, they took Josh Hayes, defensive back out of K-State, Trey Palmer, wide receiver out of Nebraska, and Jose Ramirez, edge rusher out of Eastern Michigan. So two offensive weapons, a tight end, a wide receiver, a defensive back, two edge rushers, a D tackle, a little bit of a defensive heavy draft here. Mitch, what do you grade Tampa Bay's draft and what stands out to you about it? So for Tampa Bay's draft, I would probably go C minus. I'm not in love with it. I think Kalijah Kansi's an interesting prospect. Um, I know he's drawn a lot of comparisons to Aaron Donald throughout the process. So we'll have to see if he can. I know he's probably not going to be the next Aaron Donald, but Let's see if he can be uh, Aaron Donald's light for this team. Uh, Cody Mouch, I think, was a good pickup as well. Uh, like he's, you know, he's playing guard. He can play anywhere on the offensive line and at North Dakota State. He only gave up two sacks his entire career. So that's the kind of thing that you want. Um, what worries me about the Cody Mouch pick is, you know, they're playing them more into the interior. And with Donovan Smith leaving, you really only have Tristan Wirfs on the tackle that you really uh, truly like trust in. So, it kind of worries me that they didn't try to go offensive tackle because I feel like uh, the interior of the offensive line is more of their strength. So that kind of worries me a little bit. Um, and then another guy that I like is Payne Durham, just because of, you know, we've talked about there really isn't much at the offensive line or the tight end room. Um, and last year he had 56 catches, 560 yards and eight touchdowns. So I think he's an interesting guy who could maybe give them something at the tight end position to really help out this uh, offense, which it needs something like we talked about outside of their two main guys. Um, but otherwise, outside of like guys like uh, Trey Palmer, who I think can give them good depth, I just feel like there really isn't, uh, you know, they're depth guys, but I don't know how much juice that they give them for depth. So I'm going to give it a C minus. Yeah, uh, I'll go a step up. I'll go C, <clears throat> solid C. Um, I think the first three picks can work out pretty well for them. I think Kalijah Kansi, uh, I see the Aaron Donald comparison, and it's not just because he's an undersized defensive uh, interior defender from Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, that is kind of, you know, <laughs> like the the that there's the obvious comparison, but the guy was a very good pass rusher from the interior of the defensive line. And that is what, that is Aaron Donald's calling card. That's what has won him so many defensive players of the year. And it's also a position of need for them. They needed help on that interior defensive line. I mean, getting a young guy that's really good as a pass rusher. I think he should play right away. I also think Kalijah Kansi is also listed as a D end right now for them. Yes. Um, and I think he can work from there too, because he is a pass rusher and the kind of system that they like to run um, which I think it's like a three, four, don't they? They run a three, four. Don't yes. They? Um, then that, that, I think that's a good position for him in terms of he's not a t- true edge, but he's also, but he is still in a position where he can get at the pass rusher. Cody Mouch. Um, I, I trust Mitch's 
take on it. He's the O-line guy. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, but I think Cody Mouch just is the toughness and what he has to the team, what he can add to the team. I think it helps either at guard or at tackle. I am concerned that you have Luke Gadecki now is probably going to be your starting right tackle, and he's more of a guard. Mm-hmm. So I wish they would just flip the two of them. Um, and I think that could work out better for you. But I think Cody Mouch is going to be able to get quality um, snaps in wherever he is on that offensive line. Um, Yaya Dobby from Louisville. Um, he's he's like a huge he's he's a big athlete. Like he's very very quick and off the ball. Um, and he just needs to add more size. But I think in terms of um, what he can what the kind of athlete that he is, and if they can get him some more weight on his body, um, he'll be great turn in terms of like setting the edge there, especially on the run. He was one of the better run defenders um in in college football um the last couple of years so i think he'll do and then just trey palmer i love i mean between trey palmer and um uh durham um you just need pass catchers um i think durham is going to be good he's got nice hands he he's only dropped three percent of his passes over the last couple years um and he can do a lot but he needs to work as a blocker and then uh trey palmer is had a great season he in one season he became the uh, broke the single season record for uh, receiving yards at Nebraska. Um, but he is kind of a one trick pony. Um, he is very, very fast. Um, but if they can be able to um, get that route tree running and get him learning some of those things, I think it'll work out for him. It seems like they figured out some kind of a plan based off of what we saw in the preseason game, but they do need that. That is part of what he needs to work on is on his, on his route running. And that's why he's a sixth round pick, even though he has four, three speed um, is because his route running is, is rough. And so between that, but he's also a great returner and they need some help that, I mean, Jaden Dart, uh, it was Darden, right. That was re- returning a lot of their. Yeah. Jalen Darden yeah. did well um, getting another experience punt or kick returner back there. I think can help for them as well. Um, but overall C because even with Payne Durham, Coming in, most of these guys aren't, besides Clyde Jacancy and Mouch, I don't see getting a lot of steps except for a need, and that's why Trey Palmer being that third wide receiver right now is kind of worrying for me because I don't know how, if he can step in and immediately have an impact as much as I do love the player. And so see, because those are really the only players in this draft that, that I can see doing well in the future. So in terms of pure draft, I give it a C. In terms of like, and we haven't done this very much, but in terms of like when I look at some of the talent they added through UDFAs, um, yeah. I'd probably give it like a C plus. Shout out to three guys. Um, Sean Tucker, the halfback out of Syracuse. Um, I think if he makes the roster, I, I think he can be a very productive guy. I loved watching that kid play at Syracuse. Also one of the funniest Twitter accounts on earth where he just types in his stats and then tells the world if it was a good or a bad day. Um, so go follow Sean Tucker on Twitter. Um Shout out to Rakeem Jarrett, the wide receiver they picked up out of Maryland. I was confident that guy was going to be a fourth or a fifth round pick. Um, Went undrafted. Tampa Bay brought him in. I think that he could be a big help to the wide receiver room um, if he ends up making roster. And then other shout out, not necessarily that I think he's going to have a ton of um, production, but shout out to uh, Cade Warner, Kurt Warner's son. Um, It was a cool little thing where Cade Warner's first NFL preseason game was Tampa Bay versus Pittsburgh. What Kurt Warner's final NFL game was Arizona versus Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, right? So fun little bit of like sports 
you know, round robin rigmarole type thing. Um, but um, it goes to show how uninspiring this draft is that I have to sit there and like shout out UDFAs. Um, because like, just like the old saying of C's get degrees, that's exactly the grade I give this draft. Like it's, it's good enough. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a draft in which you're going to lose games because of who you drafted, but I don't think you're going to win any games because of who you drafted, you know, taking Kalijah can't see at 19, um, huge amount of upside, you know, um, but I, I, there's just so many other directions I would have gone with in the first round. And for a team that, that is so quarterback needy and yet so confident that they don't need a quarterback, um, to not build toward a future. If like, I just, I would rather have seen them trade out of 19 than take Kalijah Kansi. I would have rather seen them go, um, you know, offensive line wasn't necessarily a, um, uh, there wasn't necessarily an offensive lineman worth a first round pick at that point. Um, maybe besides the guy that, uh, who did Jacksonville draft? What was his name? Um, Oh, Anton, Anton Harrison. Harrison? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, could you have gone Anton Harrison there? Maybe, you know, I, I, I think you could have gone tight end um, given that almost all of the tight ends were still, I think all of the major tight ends were still available at that point. Um, it was astonishing that uh, only, I think only Dalton Keene got drafted in the first round of the tight end. Yeah, Bills took Dalton Kincaid with their first Dalton Kincaid, yeah. Um, so, you know, not addressing tight end. You could have gone wide receiver. You could have gone secondary. You could have gone linebacker because just like Skyler said, hey, Levante David is is 33 years old. Devin White is playing on a big contract here, and you don't have a lot of depth behind them. There's a million different places I would have gone with at 19 than, than just re-hammering down on your defensive line. But this is exactly what we've grown accustomed to in Shaw in, in Todd Bowles's coaching career, which is really lackluster drafts, unfortunately. I do like the Cody Mouch pick. I agree with what Mitch and Skyler say. Um you know, you're in your right side of your offensive line right now is a rookie and a second year player, um, both playing relatively out of position. You know, <laughs> like crazy, insane. Um, you know, taking two edge rushers when you have Shaquille Barrett and you have um, some of the other guys that you have, Joe Tryon, Shrienka, first round pick a couple of years ago. I don't know. I don't love it. I do like the Trey Palmer pick. I actually really like the Trey Palmer pick. I think in terms of like a six foot speedy slot receiver, he fits a lot of the tropes you want to see in the NFL. I, th- I think he'll have a decent season. I like the Payne Durham pick. You drafted a linebacker in the fifth round because you're so desperate for depth. It's just, it's an uninspiring draft for me, honestly. Like, there's not anybody that I can look at in this draft and I can go, that's a guy I need to watch play for Tampa Bay this year. I need to see how he's doing. The closest thing is like Cody Mouch, really. You know, I think Kalijah Kansi is going to benefit from having some really great pass rushers around him, Vita Vey, Shaquille Barrett, so on and so forth, and being backed up by, in my opinion, still a top five linebacker room in Levante David and Devin White. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like he's going to benefit a lot from that. How much of it is his pure raw talent? I don't know. Um, but it's just, it's an uninspiring draft for me, honestly. Like it's hard for me. Is it the worst draft in their conference or in their division? No. Is it the best draft? Absolutely not. Is, was it the best off season for them? No. Was it the worst in their division? No. Like it's just for an, for a team that went eight and 10 last year, it's really hard for me to believe that this team has a ceiling any higher than eight and 10, but Let's talk about their ceiling. Let's give our predictions. I do want to say one thing before we move on first. Shout out to Cade Warner again because uh, 
as a guy that used to watch Cade Warner play in college, he he has good hands and he's a smart player and he understands the game of football. And so if he makes the roster, good for him because like like I can't think of a yes kind of nepo baby, but he but like he's he's put in a ton of work um to get where he's at. Um, I don't think Nepo Baby is fair when you're playing a completely different position than what your dad played. Yeah. You know, like, but like it's but like it's I mean, wondering if like Joey speak... Porter Jr. was yeah. playing edge rusher or like yeah. you know. Well, no, like it, I I do get it, but it, your dad is also still Kurt Warner and has like the money to get you the coaches and the things like that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to that, and then the the other thing that's very that's very infuriating about Cody Monch and and Ledecky is you just switch their positions. You literally just. <laughs> put them in the other positions and then they're playing in their position and they're playing where they need to be. That's the frustrating thing for me is it's well, not that it's not that. And again, still Cody much, is he going to be the best right tackle in, in football? No, but is he going to be better at right tackle than Ledecky? Probably. And so, and like Ledecky is going to be a serviceable guard on the inside. Yeah. And so like, and so that's the, like, why would you take the chance of playing two people out of their true positions when you really just need to switch the two of them around? Well, I think this all kind of goes back to this this sort of renaissance in the NFL that I don't think it's talked about enough, which is NFL teams being more hell-bent on drafting offensive linemen because of their possible versatility than their actual talent at any given position, right? The NFL, has, with offensive linemen, has like slowly started to adapt this jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type viewpoint, and like... I think it started a couple of years ago and with the success of guys like um, uh, Elton Jenkins in Green Bay. Um, um, oh, there's like two or three other examples that I had as you were talking and then I just lost them. But you can like just go back and listen to our team previews. Keep listening as we go on. The amount of times we're going to go, I like this offensive lineman they drafted because he can play multiple positions is is crazy, right? The problem with that is – when you're a team who's drafting guys because they can play three to five positions, they never really get the chance to master any position. Now, as a Packer fan, I can talk about guys that, that I know very well, and I go to the example of Zach Tom, right? Zach Tom uh, played right tackle at Wake Forest, I think, the majority of his career. Um, but right now with the Packers, is taking snaps almost at all five positions. He took snaps at left guard. He took snaps at center. He took snaps at at tackle but because of that he's never getting a full amount of practice or a full amount of work at any one given position right so when tampa bay went and drafted Lou kadecki last year which if you go back listen to our team preview for tampa bay last year i can all but guarantee all of us sat there and said this is a good pick because he can play guard or tackle right when tampa bay drafted him they drafted him knowing that he could do one of one of each they played him a lot at tackle um, because of some injuries that they had. Remember, Donovan Smith only played like I think 65, 70% of snaps. Um, Tristan Wirfs was hurt for part of the year. So that's a position where he's gotten his work at. Now you draft Cody Mouch, you've already put so much work into Luke Kadecki being a tackle that moving him to guard almost takes away from that versatility. It takes away from the work that he's already put in there. So this is sort of the problem the NFL is now running into with these versatility guys, which is they can only get a certain amount of snaps in any position. They can only get a certain amount of practice at any position. They're not being able to excel at any one singular position. And this is why if you want to draft a guy for versatility, go ahead. 
but let him play the first two or three years at guard or at tackle. And then if you need to move him around or if injury causes you to move him around, you can start to work him into other positions once he's once he's sufficiently and like thoroughly coached and practiced and gotten experience at tackle or guard or center. And and unfortunately, it's what Tampa Bay isn't doing. They're drafting guys. They're doing plug and play right now. And it's, it's tough to look at. But Tampa Bay starts out with, Jesus, guys, we've talked about some brutal starts to the season. Tampa Bay has a miserable one. At the road, uh, on the road at Minnesota, back home against Chicago, home against NFC champion Philadelphia, at New Orleans, early season bye, come back home against Detroit and Atlanta, at Buffalo, at Houston, home against Tennessee, at San Francisco, at Indianapolis, back home against Carolina, at Atlanta, at Green Bay, home against Jacksonville, and then close the season, um, or final two games of the season at home against Tampa Bay, or sorry, at home against New Orleans, and at Carolina. Um, a, a truly brutal start to the season. Minnesota, Philadelphia, Detroit, Buffalo, all you know, with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask at quarterback. Mitch, 8-9 and nine last year, bouncing the wild card round. New quarterback, new faces across the board here. How do you think Tampa Bay is going to do in 2023? I think they're going to do worse. I have them going 5-12. and 12. Um, You know, the Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask for who's going to be the starter, starter doesn't really give me confidence uh, either way. Maybe there's something with Baker Mayfield, but I think it would be a more of a huge undertaking than – uh, what he did when he dragged the Cleveland Browns to a playoff appearance and win. Uh, the run game wasn't really addressed. I mean, their big addition was Chase Edmonds, and I don't know if Rashad White, Chase Edmonds, and Keyshawn Vaughn is the answer to your run game. The tight end position, besides paying Durham, basically the same. The offensive line, which only gave up 22 sacks last year, we talked about lost their two starters, and we just talked about the right side of the line. There's issues there. Um, with Russell Gage now being out for the year, relying on a rookie and a, a lot of backups to give you something at the position position worries me. Um, and I feel like the defense will be solid again. Uh, maybe not be in the top 10, but be in the, like the 10 to 15 range in a lot of their major categories. But, uh, you know, we talked about before, the secondary is taking a lot of hits. Right now it's basically just Anton Winfield, Carlton Davis, and Jamal Dean. A lot of guys are going to have to step up. Um, and Shaq Barrett, you know, hasn't been healthy the past couple of years and the production hasn't been there because of that. So can he stay healthy and can, uh, Joe Tryon Shayanka take that next step and be the, uh, pass rushing mate that he was drafted to be, uh, cause last year in his full first year, first year start, it was a little bit uninspiring. So I think they go five and 12. Five and 12. Skylar, how do you think Tampa Bay is going to fare? Worse. Three and fourteen. Um, I honestly think that this team, everything that Mitch said, I agree with. Um, I as much as I do think that Baker me Baker Mayfield can do well, um, and be successful in the NFL, there's a lot of pressure to put on him with you know, an offensive line that was good last year, but now the entire right side, we have no idea what the frick they're doing there. Um, two All Pro caliber wide receivers who have not played a full season in, what, three or four years now. No tight end, really. Um, most of your depth is either wide receivers or under, or rookies or undrafted free agents on that offensive side. 
And you, like Mitch said, they did nothing to address the running back position. It's besides Chase Edmonds. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, the only position group I have a ton of confidence in is that linebacking position with Devin White and Levante David there. Because they're the two guys that I know are going to play most this season. They they don't have an injury history. <clears throat> wow, I have hiccups at the worst time. Um, they don't have an injury history, whereas I look at every other position on this on this team. Um, there's an injury injury history. Shaq Barrett, who is a good D end, um, has a history of injuries, and he's getting into his 30s, and that's not the most productive time uh for an edge rusher. Uh Vita Vea, again, can be productive, has a history of injuries. They have other people on there. I look at their cornerback position. You have Carlton Davis and Antoine Winfield Jr. as really the only returners, and they didn't address it in either their free agency or their draft, which we really didn't talk about. The only defensive back they drafted was Carrington Valentine from Kentucky, and they didn't add anybody really in free agency on the defensive side of the ball besides Ryan Neal at, to play at safety. Um, so that's a huge liability for me, especially when we're talking about some of the wide receivers that exist um, in the NFC South, like you have the, um, Mike will, uh, yeah, Mike Williams. No, not Williams. Um, Mike Evans, Mike, no, the guy from the saints, that's always gone. Oh, Mike Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas, like Michael Thomas should be playing at some point this season. Yeah. Um, you know, fingers crossed. I mean, even if not, Chris Olave had a great year last year. Um, you look at, uh, the different kinds, I mean, we, we talked about Carolina and their wide receiver position being a position of weakness, but you still have fast, good, talented wide receivers that are there. Um, then uh, Atlanta, we have uh, Kyle Pitts and um, Drake London and some of those other guys that, you know, are very talented again. And I'm looking at the secondary going, what are you going to do? Like, like against some of these people, again, they're not like the, the wide receivers they are facing and the receiving rooms that they're facing aren't like world beaters. But they're they have good talented players that Carlton Davis and uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. can't cover all of those guys. So someone has to step up and and fill those spots. And I have no faith that they'll do it. And I don't have faith in Todd Bowles or this organization and the coaching staff to be able to put these players in the right position to win these games. So I have them going three and fourteen and drafting second overall. That's actually insane because I I splitting the difference here. I had them going four and thirteen. And I thought that I was being a little astonishing. There's like one aspect to this offensive line that we just sort of haven't talked about, which is Ryan Jensen. Let's let's not forget the extent of his injury. He goes down in training camp last year with a tear to his ACL, MCL, PCL, meniscus, fractured his tibial head and cartilage, and yet somehow came back six months later to play in a playoff game against Dallas. Now, he didn't need surgery. He's been recovering. His original recovery date would have been like September of 23 here. So he should be okay to go by the start of the season. But it's crazy that right now the anchor of your offensive line is coming off of a list of injuries that severe at 32 years old. Um, that's just, that's that's an insane aspect of this whole thing. So it's not just questions at right guard and right tackle. If Ryan Jensen goes down, this offensive line completely falls apart. I mean, is useless on the right side completely um four and 13 hey tom brady threw nine interceptions last year and you lost 10 games sorry folks baker mayfield could play great kyle trask could play amazing they're still gonna throw more than nine interceptions next year you know just knowing the way those two guys play 
you've got a really good defense, but at the end of the day, if your offense can't move the ball, and I firmly believe this offense is going to struggle to move the ball, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. This was already an offense that struggled to score points, that struggled to run the ball, that struggled to uh, make productive offensive drives happen, and I don't think they've improved really anywhere. You know, we can sit here and say, like, well, they have – Mike Evans and they have Chris Godwin and that's great. Like that's awesome. Good for you. But if your offensive line can't keep your quarterback up and your quarterback can't produce for you, even when the offensive line does, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't care how good your wide receivers are. I just don't defensively. I'm not as worried. You know, I, I drafting Kalaja can see just means that the rich get richer on that in that regard. And as long as they stay relatively healthy, this should still be like a top 12 defense in most statistical categories. Um, even with some of the losses to the secondary, they had addressed it. They had drafted depth there over the last couple of years. They feel confident in some of the guys that they have. But this is a team that is completely, completely focused on health. They have to be because if any part goes down for an extended period of time, I, I fear that they completely fall apart. If Shaq Barrett tears his, tears his Achilles, if Vita Vey goes down for six weeks, if Levante David has knee or back or shoulder problems, this defense, the the holes in it become a lot more glary, you know, and offensively, God forbid anything happens to Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, because then your offense, I think, completely falls apart. And I think it's a brutal schedule. I mean, you know, Minnesota, we'll talk about when we get to that preview, even with who they lost, I still think Minnesota is a better team than what Tampa Bay is. Chicago, terrible in a lot of regards, but a much better offense on paper than what Tampa Bay has, honestly. Like, Philadelphia reigning NFC champions. The Saints, you two have battled each other, you know, back and forth. You swept them last year, but now the Saints have the best quarterback they've had since Drew Brees was there. Detroit, expected to be better. Atlanta, we thought was going to be better. Buffalo, uh, AFC champion caliber team, AFC division around caliber team. Um, Tennessee, we expect to be back. San Francisco has a def- it doesn't matter what San Francisco's offense looks like. Their defense is better than yours, frankly. Um, you know, Carolina, you struggled with last year. Green Bay, you struggled with offensively, and your offense has gotten worse. Jacksonville, playoff caliber team. Yeah, I think four and thirteen. I think they're picking in the top five, and I think that they're forced to take a quarterback. Maybe they trade up, maybe they bring in Caleb Williams, maybe they uh they bring uh uh who's USC's head coach? Kiffin? No, who's, no, who's um, USC's Mike Riley? Lincoln no. Riley. Yeah, Lincoln Riley, Mike Riley. Yeah, maybe maybe they draft Caleb Williams. Maybe they bring in Link, uh, uh, Lincoln Riley Mike to come Riley. be their new head coach, Mike Riley. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has a head coaching experience in the NFL. So, so um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a terrible season for Tampa Bay. I think that we talk about teams going worst to first. I think Tampa Bay goes first to worst um, in division next year. Mitch, if you had to make one prediction for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2023, what would it be? My hot take is that uh, some the, the most of the you know faces of that super t- Super Bowl team are going to be gone. So I think by next season, uh, Ryan Jensen, Mike Evans, Shaq Barrett, and Levante David will not be Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you know the Levante David one, I don't think is shocking. You know he's con- contemplating retirement, so. I think he's going to retire just given, you know, the direction of this team. Shaq Barrett has been injured and hasn't been the productive guy where you could say uh, he's in the running for one of the better edge rushers in the NFL. He's kind of a forgotten guy now. 
Ryan Jensen, like Brady just said, he's going off a severe injury like that. He's going to be 33 next offseason. Uh, I don't know if you want that kind of guy on your offensive line. And Mike Evans right now is in, you know, isn't under contract for next season. He's going under negotiations. The top guys at the market are getting paid between 25 and $30 million. And uh, I, that's a lot of guy. That's a lot of money to give a guy when, you know, you're pretty much going to be looking at a rebuild coming in the near future. So I think those guys uh, will be gone and the new era of Tampa Bay will start next year. Mitch, you I, really need to stop going before me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that if I, I would push back a little bit and I would say that if Tampa Bay really does commit to drafting a quarterback next year, if they think that season's going terribly, I need to draft a young quarterback. I, I think that they would pay Mike Evans, right? You get the benefit of having, you know, your franchise quarterback on a on a rookie contract. And yeah, if Mike Evans is making $30 million, that's fine if you only sign him for three years, right? Why not give your rookie quarterback one of the better weapons? You know, the dude has every season he's been in the NFL, he's had a thousand yard receiving season. But the other three, I think, are fair and can easily be seen. Now that you've taken Skyler's, Skyler, what's your big prediction for Tampa Bay in 2023? I'll go with my backup. I'm glad I have backups. Um, Todd Bowles is the first head coach filed, fired this year. Um, okay. I don't think it's. I don't think that's really a hot take on how we all think their season's going to go, but specifically because that stretch, that first stretch, is so rough. I mean, it's possible they could be like zero and six. Like, like it's not, it's not a, like it's not out of the realm of possibility. Oh yeah, like the one game that they could win to begin with is against the Bears, and even then, I think. All of us are more optimistic about what the Bears' offense can do than what this offense can do. Um, and the Bears have worse players, in my opinion, at some positions. Um, I would say that if if the ship goes down, it goes down hard. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the players that Mitch listed are traded instead Yeah. Um, to get draft capital. Like Levante David, um, yeah, I, I think – Going retirement, I think it's just as easy. My 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 prediction before was that this is Levante David's last year in Tampa Bay. I could see him going somewhere else and playing for maybe a year or two on a on a decent contract. Um, but I mean Levante David or Antoine Winfield or you know Shaq Barrett or any of these guys that on that defense or even some of the you know Chris Godwin or Mike Mike Evans could be traded too in terms of just getting draft capital for this team and what they, and so that they can use it um, to rebuild, um, which they should have started this year. Um, but I'll go with, um, I'll go with Todd Bowles as the first head coach fired this year, just based on where we all have it as a record and also based off of where, um, how their schedule lines up and how tough that beginning is. At what yes. point of the season do you think he's out? Let me look at the schedule. I mean, if they, they have like a week five bye week. So if they're 0-4 heading into that, he might be out then. Yeah, he might be. Um, if the, Yeah, because the only thing I was thinking is if they lose to the Saints, if they, if they lose to the Bears, <laughs> I was like, if the Bears were like week three, if they lost to the Bears, he'd be gone. But because of how it lines up, I think he might be gone. If he's not gone by the bye week, I think he's definitely gone if they lose to Atlanta. 
Oh, I'd almost say he'd be gone after the game to Buffalo because that's a Thursday nighter. So if you're going to fire a coach, you may as well do it when you have a little bit of extra time before your next game. But, um, if, but if I'm like saying he's the first head coach fired, then I'd say bye week. Sure. Um, so I have two. First, uh, Tampa Bay has a fire sale between time of recording and the end of the uh, trade deadline here. I think Tampa Bay is going to make at least three trades. Um, I think that they're going to trade at least three guys. Um, you know, maybe they trade four people, maybe if they think that they're one or two pieces away and there's an affordable piece. But like when we when we go through the list of some of those names, you know, there's so many teams that I think are or have the potential to be like deep playoff run caliber teams that would not mind calling up Tampa Bay and saying, hey, I'll send you a second round pick or a two this year and a three next year. And you toss me Levante David, you know, like we're going to talk about the Chargers here soon, but imagine. Imagine if the Chargers added Levante David, you know, like imagine if um, uh, uh, like walking around just the rest of the league here, you know, um, if if the Jets went in and traded for somebody in the secondary, if Minnesota called up and said, hey, I want Shaq Barrett and here's uh, like, draft like capital. Lions, like if the Lions got Levante David or some of the or like Devin White or some of those guys or yeah, even like how like Jacksonville, if you put Levante David on Jacksonville. That would be interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like there's there's multiple pieces there. I think ta- so. Prediction one: Tampa Bay has has a fire sale here between now and and the trade deadline. Um, uh, uh, prediction number two: Actually, if healthy, if he stays healthy, Baker Mayfield leads the division in yards and touchdowns. Okay. Because the team, oh. like number one in passing attempts last year, didn't do anything to adjust to improve your running game at all. Your only two major offensive weapons are your two wide receivers. So if they decide not to have a fire sale, this is going to be a pass happy team, you know? And, and if Baker Mayfield can stay healthy, if he can stay up, if he can play, I'll say like at least 13 games, um, given the way that the rest of the division's quarterback room kind of look. Um, I, I think it's not crazy to think that he's maybe the worst quarterback in the division and yet still leads in yards and touchdowns. Okay, question for you guys. So, are you so like fantasy season's coming up? Yes. Are you drafting mm-hmm. any of those wide receivers then? Um, I I mean I I would always draft Mike Evans. You know, okay. like Mike Evans had has had a thousand yards every year he's been in the league. Let's go through some of the quarterbacks Mike Evans has played with oh, in his yeah, career. Pre Tom Brady, yeah. Jameis Winston, yeah. Mike Glennon, Josh Freeman, like. Yeah, no, the guys. The dude can produce one way or another, and Chris Godwin is a great number two. I think if I think if he's like a substitute slot guy for you, um, or if like you're drafting Cooper Cup and you want another wide receiver for depth, and you're worried about Cup, I think Chris Godwin can fit in there. He's had a little bit of some injury problems, but if this team is as pass happy as they were last year, I think taking any of those Tampa Bay wide receivers, or even like even drafting a sneaky tight end in like Kate Otten for um um i i think you could get some really solid points out of that you know you heard it now trey palmer is a first wide receiver is a first round wide receiver yeah i'm gonna take him with the number one overall pick in the fantasy draft um so uh uh mitch if you had to pick one uh thing that's gonna make or break tampa bay's offseason position group coaching uh health schedule what one particular thing what do you think is gonna make or break tampa bay in 2023 so I don't think there's any like one coach position or player that's going to like decide the fate of this uh, 
of the record for this season. But I do think that uh, depending on how Kyle Trask plays or doesn't play well, I think it will shape how the uh, the rebuilt is made. So if Kyle Trask, uh, you know, Baker's not doing well, they put Trask in and you see some like, you know, he could be the guy then I think obviously the rebuild isn't as grand and they start to rebuild around, uh, you know, build around Kyle Trask and get it back to, you know, a playoff contending kind of team. But, you know, if Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask are just going to be, you know, not that great and, you know, you pretty much wasted a draft pick on Kyle Trask, then obviously it's full nuclear fire sale mode and it's rebuilds from the ground up. Well, and they drafted him in like the second round too, didn't they? Yeah, he was either like a second or third round pick, like in 2020, 2021. Well, Skyler, second round? Second rounder, drafted 64th overall. 64th overall. So, yeah, very end of the second round year that they won the Super Bowl. Um, Skyler, if you had to pick one thing that's going to make or break Tampa Bay this year, what's it going to be? Todd Bowles. Just flat out, head coach. Um, you have to, you have to be, um, like with, with your season looking like this. Um, and I mean, with Arizona, you have the, you have the the excuse of one, you're not going to have Kyler Murray for most of the season and you have a rookie head coach. Yeah. This, you have no excuse. Todd Bowles, you've been a head coach at multiple different places, like here and at different places. And we've even come to bat and say that you didn't deserve to be fired at some, for, for some of these things. Um, Brady, stop flexing. Um, no, I'm just doing a dance. Um, like so, you you don't have these excuses. You have a veteran person, veteran quarterback that you can come in as a starter. You have plenty of talent on this roster, both offensive and defensive. Like we're all looking at your at where our predictions are like worst case scenario. It's because we have no faith in this organization or the head coach. And so in order to be better than this, Todd Bowles has to prove me wrong. And he like, this division is wide open. Like if they play well and they play to their highest potential, they could win the division. I just don't have faith in them. And so that's where, that's where I'm putting my, I'm putting it on Todd Bowles' shoulders. Um, I'll give two. Um, first off, I'm going to go with the rest of the NFC South. Tampa Bay, for all their struggles, went four and two last year in division. If the rest of the NFC South is garbage, if the Saints aren't, aren't as good as we thought they were, if Bryce Young struggles as as uh, much as some previous number one overall picks have, if Desmond Ritter isn't the guy with Tampa or with Atlanta, it's not crazy to think that Tampa Bay, at a record of like five and twelve or six and eleven, could win the division. I think it all just comes down to how the rest of the division plays. Like the NFC South is hands down by far the worst coached on paper, um, the least exciting on paper, um, and the most wide open of any division, in my opinion, right? We're done with the NFC South, you guys. We've done all four teams, and we still have, what, 12 other teams to cover? 11 other, 13 other teams to cover this year? It like It's crazy how open this division is. And if everybody just beats the crap out of each other, whoever has the best divisional record pulls out and wins the division. Like somebody has to go to the playoffs from the NFC South. Um, number two, I'm going to say the front office. 
The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are maybe, historically speaking, the worst run franchise in the NFL to have won multiple Super Bowls. Right? Like a team who, for the longest time, held the most consecutive losses by any team. Um, I actually think they still do. I think, here's a fun statistic for everybody. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers hold the longest continual uh, losing streak in the NFL. However, they don't hold the longest continual losing streak in either the AFC or the NFC. Why? Because about halfway through that losing streak, they changed conferences. They were like 0-9 in the AFC, and then they moved to the NFC and lost like 17 more in a row after that. It's a crazy statistic. But this is not a team, even when they won the Super Bowl with John Gruden, it almost all fell apart right after that. And then they lived in years of purgatory, in years of hell. 7-9 and the year before Tom Brady shows up was one of the better years Tampa Bay had had in a while. And Tom Brady picked that place because he saw that the roster was bad, the cap space was bad, Bruce Arians was there, and that as a franchise, they would do whatever it took uh, to make Tom Brady happy. They won a Super Bowl with it. It made the playoffs a couple of times. But this is a terribly run franchise. Um, So it's going to come up to the front office. They're going to have to show a competency that, historically speaking, they haven't showed. This is the same front office that John Gruden won a Super Bowl with from a team that Tony Dungy built, a guy who they fired and let go win another Super Bowl with the Colts, a guy who turned the Colts, turned Peyton Manning, into one of the best teams of the early 2000s, mid-2010s, right? Like, this is this is not a good-run franchise. So I need to see this franchise beginning to make competent moves um, without the, the, the aid of, a, of the greatest quarterback of all time, without the aid of one of the better coaches. Like, you as a front office have to begin to make these quality moves in the draft, through free agency, in the trade market, in terms of starting guys, in terms of your shift rotationally, you need to be able to to make some of the tough decisions that I I don't know if Tampa Bay can do. This is the same franchise that let that let Greg Schiano run them for a couple of years. This is the same franchise that their best player from the years of what 2007 until 2019 was Doug Muscle Hamster Martin and like Mike Evans. Like it, it's just, it's it has not been a historically well run franchise. Um, and and yet somehow they have two Super Bowls. It's insane to me. So that is our Tampa Bay um, preview. We're done with the NFC South. I believe we all agreed that the Saints would be winning the division um, when we did our Saints preview a couple episodes ago. Listen to that there. But we're going to keep it in the NFC, and we're going to talk about a team that I think we all have to eat crow on, the Seattle Seahawks, um, a team who who came out of nowhere, made the playoffs led by Geno Smith, um, we'll, we'll look at some of the measures of the post-Russell Wilson trade. They had some uh, rookies starting on the offensive line. Um, we'll talk about their defense and the future of Seattle. Um, and uh, their draft is last year still benefiting from trading Russell Wilson. So we appreciate we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Follow us on everything. Um, email us your thoughts, fourthstringspgmail.com. And have a fantastic night.